please, this morning to Colossians chapter 2. I want to let you know that this Wednesday, um, we're planning something a little bit special, being in the middle of Thanksgiving week, and I'd like to invite all of you to it. Uh, Maybe we could call it a Thanksgiving praise service. So we're going to gather here and just have a time of hymn singing and testimonies and sharing of God's goodness and the scriptures with one another like we've done in our hymn sings or previous times. So um, I'd love to do that with you all. This Wednesday evening we'll plan for 6.30. So please come and share that time of of rejoicing with us. 6.30. Would you stand with me one more time? This morning we're going to look at a text in the letter of Colossians really two verses, but I'd like to read this whole section together with you. Colossians 2, 1 through 15. Let's read this together in unison. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of my mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority." In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at these precious verses this morning, I ask you that you would Stir our affections for Jesus Christ. May we be aware and have more understanding of the gracious work that you have done in our lives through Him. And may we turn from the world and turn from self to draw upon the infinite riches of wisdom and knowledge found in Christ, the fullness of God that that is in Him that we would live by faith, that we would walk by faith in Christ from day to day 
and know the great joy and love that you intend for us to enjoy in Him. And that we would live as His dear children, as your dear children, slaves of Jesus Christ, rejoicing as His servants, walking for His glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. We might call today Thanksgiving Sunday. We, this, this message may end up extending into next Sunday. We'll see. But we have so much to be thankful for, like Jeremy mentioned at the beginning of our service. And so I wanted to turn with you to a text of Scripture that highlights this very important theme of thanksgiving, of the attitude that we call gratitude. That's, that's rich throughout the Scriptures. And so I, I hope that as we go through this text together today that you'll be encouraged, that you will be edified in your walk with Christ. Before we look at these two verses are, as the focus of our time together, I want you to consider some important heart questions. Let's take a few moments and think about these with me. My first question is simply this. Are you satisfied in Christ? Are you satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ? What do we mean by that? Well, there's some other questions that could maybe further explain that. Do you have real joy in knowing Him? In, in being savingly connected to Him? Does that, is that living to you? Is that, is that a joy to your heart? Do you have a strong desire to know Him more? Do you delight in fellowship with Him? Do you seek to submit yourself to Him in everything? Do you experience, do you desire to experience the fulfillment of all His promises in your life as you wholly trust in Him? Is the life in the world, the life of worldly fulfillments becoming less attractive to you? Less of a competition to what you see in Christ and desire to experience in Him? Those are all different ways of asking you that same question. Are you satisfied in Christ? Let me ask you another question. Are you safe from false teaching? Well, what do we mean by that? Do you, let me ask you this way, do you sufficiently know true doctrine about the person of Jesus Christ? Are you anchored in the faith of the gospel? Do you sufficiently know true doctrine about the saving works of Jesus Christ as the gospel summarizes? Do you sufficiently know the doctrine of, of what God has promised to do in the life of all those who are in Christ to bring them along to make them like Jesus? Can you discern between truth and error? That, those are all different ways of asking, are you, do you have a security from false teaching? 
And a third question for you. I know I'm giving you so many questions, and maybe you could, I don't know, jot a few of these down to think about them more, more carefully and with more time. Are you spiritually advancing? What do I mean by that? Are you becoming more aware of your own personal sinfulness in your heart and in your life, in your words? Are you more easily recognizing your own spiritual neglect in your responsibilities to the people around you, to God, the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that becoming more easily recognized in your life? Do you find yourself more often humbled and confessing and repenting of sin than you used to be? Are those actions of repentance and faith increasing in your life? Are you becoming more dependent upon Christ and the Holy Spirit? Or more eager to access the trust and trust the grace of God that you stand in? Do the people around you Know you, who know you best, recognize change happening in your life and progress toward growing in the graces of Jesus? Are you advancing in your knowledge of the Word of God and your ability to speak it to others? Those are all different ways of asking the question, are you advancing spiritually? So those are the three questions I really want you to think about as we come to our text this morning. Are you satisfied in Jesus Christ? Are you safe from false teaching? Are you spiritually advancing in your life? And I would say to all of us that if we've answered no to some of these questions, it could be that like the Colossians, you need to learn to consistently walk in Christ Jesus the Lord the way you received Him. That's what this verse is saying. It's the focal point of our time together this morning. Paul says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Or maybe we could say that if, if you've looked at those questions and they're just totally off your grid, you're like, no, that's, that's not me at all. I don't, even, I don't even know what you're talking about. Then don't rule out the possibility that you need to receive Christ Jesus as Lord to begin with and have Him as your Savior. The Apostle Paul's main point in these two verses is just what we see here. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. These two verses in the letter of Colossians are really a a vital center to the whole book. They form the hinge in this book that moves the reader from the doctrinal section rich doctrinal section where Paul is telling you, here is who Christ is, here is what happened when you were saved, and it hinges us then to learn how to behave in light of that doctrine. Moves us from doctrine to practice. These two verses summarize all that Paul has written up to this point about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he seeks now to bring those truths to bear on the daily life of the one who has professed 
to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. And Paul is doing this not just out of mental, um, you know, not, not just because he's trying to, to teach them some things to think about, but he's concerned for them. He's doing this out of concern for his audience. He has a desire that Jesus Christ the Lord would be exalted in their lives. What's Paul concerned about? Well, he's concerned that these readers of his in Colossae, having confessed to receive Christ Jesus the Lord, are not satisfied in Christ. He's concerned that they will resort back to worldly behaviors, seeking to be satisfied in the sensual, even sinful things of this momentary world. He's concerned that they will be returning to humanistic, religious practices in an effort to feel satisfied spiritually. Notice Paul's warnings right around our text. Look, at, look back at here at Colossians 2. Look at, look at verse 4 and 5. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with possible arguments. I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be pulled away from Christ having received Him. Look at verse 8. These two little verses are sandwiched between these urgent warnings. Verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul is seeking to argue this point with his readers. Now that they have received Christ Jesus the Lord, having been brought into fellowship with Him, having been forgiven of their sin, having been freed from Satan's power, they do not need to look elsewhere in order to live a satisfying, fulfilled, growing Christian life. All they need is Christ. They don't need to look back at the sensual world to be satisfied. They don't need to look back at other humanistic tradition of of religious systems. They need Christ still now. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And we'll talk about what that means, but let me play out the need for this even more. Do you sense your need for this text this morning? Having received Christ Jesus as Lord... Are you still craving something else to satisfy the many longings of your heart? Think about that. Are you trying to find your satisfaction from relationships? Does your happiness seem to rise and fall based on how other people treat you? Think about that. Possessions. Maybe you're seeking for satisfaction in possessions. Does your contentment seem to rise and fall based on having something? Clothing. Housing. Vehicles. Various earthly things. My contentment feels like it rises when I can have something new. Maybe it's experiences for you. 
Your satisfaction seems to increase, however briefly, from a vacation or recreation or food or work or staying busy with one activity after another. Having received Christ Jesus as Lord, are you still craving something to satisfy the spiritual longings of your heart? Are you looking for something else? Maybe something religious, something spiritual, something to do to quiet your sense of guilt. Oh, people look for all kinds of things to do to quiet their sense of guilt, don't they? You're looking for some new spiritual knowledge to bring you to that next sense of satisfaction, maybe a mystical spiritual experience. Oh, people search after some mystical, secret, spiritual experience to give them a sense of acceptance with God, well-being, value. Or maybe another church experience. Have you noticed how people go from church to church to church to church to church? Looking for something else to satisfy, to feel a sense of fellowship with God. Do these questions describe any sort of your present situation or experience? If they do, then you are one of the many who are the objects of Paul's concern. But also know that he warns us of this because we, in that state, are in ideal position to fall back into worldly living. We're not satisfied in Christ. We want something else. We're in ideal position to be deceived by human religion. But here's the good news for us. You don't need something that you don't already have. Do you know that? In Christ. You need to comprehend what already belongs to you and enjoy it. That's what Paul has for us this morning. As you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, now walk in Him. Live in Him. Think about it this way. Imagine with me a young couple young man, young woman. They've recently enjoyed spending a lot of time together, getting to know one another over the course of a few months. They grow to love one another and trust one another as much as two people uh, who have known each other for a few months can do. Right? You really know each other about that much, right? But you do feel strong love and you begin to trust each other and, and then you decide to be married. This young couple decides to get married. And they're so happy. And after a joyful wedding celebration and their wedding night together, they decide to continue living in separate houses. They decide to continue to depend upon themselves for nearly everything throughout their daily lives. They don't spend much time together or getting to know one another. They only talk once in a while on the phone when they feel like they really need something. Do you see where I'm going with this? What would you say to that young couple? Move in together, right? Get to know each other. Enjoy each other. Be satisfied in each other's love. Depend upon one another. Delight in knowing and receiving one another into every part of your lives, right? That's all we would say to that couple. And that's really what Paul is saying to his readers in this text. Now that you have received Christ Jesus the Lord... 
Don't live your own spiritual life and earthly life as if your experience with Christ is done and past. Live with Him. Live in Him. Walk with Him. Know who He is and what you have in Him. Enjoy Him. Be satisfied in Him and His love. Depend upon Him for all things. Paul is telling us in verse 6, To live our daily life. That word is a classic word in the Bible for talking about daily life. Your walk. Day after day. Living in Christ. Do that. Live that life in a way that's consistent with how you received Jesus as the Lord. Apparently, it's possible, common even, for a professing Christian to detach the walk of their Christian life from the beginning of their Christian life. In the beginning, what happened? They were convinced of and humbled by their sinfulness. In the beginning, they confessed their sinfulness and were convinced of the judgment they deserved. In the beginning, they sought the mercy and grace and forgiveness and cleansing of God. They learned about the Gospel. They learned how Jesus saves all who come to Him in faith. They rejected their own efforts to be good enough for God. And they rested in Christ and His saving work alone. They confessed Jesus as Lord. They were baptized. But then, after their profession of faith, they began to trudge on trying to be a good person trying to keep up a religious list of duties in their own strength without realizing and enjoying all that became theirs in Christ. Or they began to trudge on to maintain some semblance of external religious connection and at the same time, they're trying to satisfy themselves with the things of the world. They go to church and live in the world. Paul says, don't do that. Instead, walk in Christ, live in Christ, continue in Christ, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord at the very beginning. The principles of life and growth that began at your conversion are to be continued, to be built upon, to be advanced through your Christian life. So the questions we really need to answer this morning in these verses is, how did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? How did we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? And therefore, how then do we walk in Him? What's the short answer to those questions? By grace through faith. Paul reminds the Colossians of the day they received Christ Jesus the Lord by God's grace through faith. Flip over to chapter 1. Look at verses 3 through 8. Paul reminds them, you receive Christ like this. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your, what? Your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, and indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, 
He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. How did they begin? This guy named Epaphras came and told them about the grace of God in truth. They understood it and they received it. They put their faith in Jesus Christ and then began to live in love for him and his people. That was the beginning. And the same thing happened to each one of you who are in Christ. There was a day someone shared with you the gospel and you understood the word of God in truth, the the gospel of salvation. You received Christ Jesus the Lord. As God brought the gospel to you, as God caused you to understand it, as God moved in your heart by His grace to open your eyes for your need for Jesus. And opening your eyes to the full and complete provisions of Christ to save you. And you went through that. You, you, you knew your sin. You knew how condemned you were. And then relief filled your heart when you saw who Jesus is and what He does for those who trust in Him. Mercy, grace, peace. You gave up your sin. You gave up your self-righteousness. You rested in Christ, His saving work, to do for you what He promised. But that's just the beginning of your walk in Christ. Those are just the first steps. You continue to walk in Christ by God's grace through faith. The foundations and principles that defined your reception of Christ the Lord must also define your continuing and walking in Christ the Lord. That's what Paul prays for the Colossians. Look at the next verses in chapter 1, 9-14. through 14. And so, since you received Christ Jesus the Lord, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We walk in Christ by grace through faith just the way we received Christ. But Paul describes what this looks like in more specific terms in verse 7 of our text. Please notice how these two verses work together. Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That's the main exhortation of this text. Walk in Christ. Walk in Christ. By the way, that's the first command that's given in all the letter of the Colossians. Now, what does that look like? If we have received Christ the Lord, what does that look like to walk in Him? And there's four descriptions of action that describe the walk. What does it look like? It looks like, first, being rooted in Christ, then being built up in Christ, then being established in the faith, and then what? Abounding in thanksgiving. Four words that describe 
what it means to walk in Christ as you have received Christ. And what is very interesting about these words is that the first three words are all passive, rooted, built up, established. What does that mean when we see passive words like that? What does that mean? What does that tell you when you're looking in the Scriptures? That tells you that these are done to us by the gracious working of God in our lives through Christ. These are not something you do. These are something done to you that you receive by faith. The fourth word is active, abounding in thanksgiving. That's something that we do in response to what God has done in our lives. That's our reaction to the gracious working of God in our lives through Christ. So, is Paul telling us then that walking in Christ Jesus the Lord is to continue living in Christ, drawing our strength from Him, developing our knowledge from Him, growing in maturity in all that we have in Christ? Yes, that's what he's telling us. All by God's grace? Yes. Keep walking in Christ. Keep living in Him. Keep drawing your spiritual strength from the gracious work that God has done and is doing in your life through Christ. Let's look at these four words, and hopefully this will help us to understand what it means to walk in Christ as we've received Him. Number one, rooted in Christ. Both these words, rooted and build up, both point over to Christ in Him, rooted in Him, built up in Him. Rooted, that's a, for you, for you grammar geeks, that is a perfect passive participle. What does that matter, right? It means that it refers to something, like I said, that God has done to you, for you, in the past. It's perfect, it's already done. Not something that we've done or ourselves or, or that we are to do for ourselves now. It's something that God has done, that He is continuing to do, that, that, that continues to dramatically change us, that gives us life, it sustains us now, it transforms us now, it has this impact upon us now and forever. What has God done? God has rooted us spiritually. He's rooted us. And into what does Paul say God has rooted us? Into Christ. God has graciously caused us to be connected to Christ. United to Christ so that we share Christ's life. We live because of Christ's life. Do you have, can you grasp this thought? That is the essence of your salvation. God graciously rooting you in Christ. You share Christ's life. Think on that. That's everything for you. You will never be let go of. You are rooted in Him. Think of what that means when we so struggle with so many things in our lives. You are rooted in Christ. That's not, that's not theory. That's not even an illustration so much as it is a reality. 
You're spiritually rooted in Christ. You're connected to Him through the Holy Spirit. The very moment we received Christ Jesus the Lord is the same moment that God graciously rooted us in Christ and caused us to become spiritually alive. This word rooted is a horticultural term. It refers to plant life. You know this. You can imagine that each of us before we were saved was a dead tree. Anybody ever get those trees from the, um, what's that place called, Tom? The, the Conservation Society. They're alive. They're good trees. But when you get them, they don't have any dirt on the roots. It looks like a big old weed, right? I, that's what I imagine in my mind. You're just a dead tree laying out in the dust on the desert floor of your own depravity. What are you going to do? Right? You can do nothing for yourself. You are doomed to a life and an eternity without God. No spiritual life. No relationship with God. No strength to say no to sin. No strength to say yes to God's will. No holy desires. You are dead to God. Paul describes that old state so well. Look at Colossians 1 verse 21. What did he say there? You who once were what? Alienated. You were, sep- you were as far from God as we are from aliens today. You were hopeless, hostile in mind. You weren't just cut off and separated from God. You hated God in your heart, whether you realize it or not. You hated the one true, real God of the Bible. You didn't love Him. You loved your sin. And so did I. And you were doing evil deeds. Then what happened? God, the gracious and skillful husbandman, took us up in His loving hands and brought us to spiritual life by rooting us in Christ. He put us into Christ and Christ's life fills us, brings us to life spiritually. That's exactly what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 2, 1-5. through You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and our minds, or by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And here's the idea. If that is how we came to life spiritually, by being graciously rooted into Christ by God the Father, what are we to do now to continue to live and to be sustained spiritually? Are we to try to live out the Christian life on our own now? Trying to muscle it through? Figure out a way to just make it work? Oh, oh no. Absolutely not. We're to respond in faith toward God's gracious action. We're to remain rooted in Christ. We're to continue to draw our life from Him. To nourish ourselves in Him. To continue to receive strength from Him. To rejoice in Him and His infinite love for us. Don't ever think of yourself as anything but rooted in Christ. 
And that all of your spiritual being and living and doing comes through the nourishment He gives to you. That's what John 15 is all about, right? I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Abide in me and I in you as the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. No more can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You ask what you wish. It'll be done for you. Isn't that the life of remaining rooted in Christ? We soak in His, the knowledge of Him and His spiritual life through the Scriptures by the Spirit and we ask Him to keep feeding us and doing in us what He promises to do and He does it one step at a time. Walk in Christ. Rooted in Christ. Apart from Him, what can we do? Nothing, James 15 says. That's why Paul prays and he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. That's the only other time this word rooted is used in the Scripture. Rooted and grounded in love, in Christ's love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus said again in John 15, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Paul is declaring to us that since God has graciously rooted us in Christ, the very moment we received Him as Lord, then we are to continue to turn to Him as our source of life and continue to fully experience all the blessings of being rooted in Christ. Do you look to your spiritual union with Christ in order to be supplied with all that you need for life and godliness? We need a lot, don't we? Do you look to Christ? Do you look to your union with Jesus? Or do you look to other lesser sources? What do you do? To what do you turn when you feel guilty? Do you turn to your rooting in Christ? What about when you're lonely? Or feel rejected? What about when you're tempted to sin? What about when you're overwhelmed with a trial? Or when you need wisdom for some life situation? Or when you desire to show Christ-like love to someone else? When you want to mature in your character? When you need to understand some spiritual truth? Where do you look? You're rooted in Christ. He is your source of life in all things. Keep looking to Him. Keep drawing your life from Him. What do you, what, to what then do you attribute sweet fellowship with God? Is that your doing? <laughs> or victory over sin? Or the blessing of satisfying relationships with other believers? Growing in the knowledge of truth? Is that your doing? Increasing in likeness of Jesus? Love and joy and peace that fills your heart, forgiveness that you are assured of, every spiritual blessing, all of that comes to you because you're rooted in Christ.
by the grace of God. You have been rooted in Christ. Keep drawing your life from Him. In your greatest need, find all you need in Christ. In your greatest joy, all has been given to you in Christ. Now, what's so amazing about being rooted in Christ? Why would Paul be so insistent that you keep on walking in Christ just as you received Him? It's because of who Christ is. That's the only, that's the only way you'll think of this as amazing is when you know who Christ is. The reason you received Christ is because you began to learn who He is. The reason you'll continue to walk in Christ is because you're continuing to learn who He is and what He does for you. And that's what Paul means by being built up in Christ. Let's look at the second word that Paul talks about. Built up in Christ. Number two, built up in Christ. This is how we walk in Him. We walk in Him rooted. We walk in Him being built up in Him. He's still speaking about something that God the Father is graciously doing to us through Christ. Something that has happened in the past, like being rooted, but this is something that God is doing in the present. Continually for those He has already rooted in Christ. This moves from being a a perfect word, a perfect passive participle, to a present one. One that God is doing now in your life. God is spiritually building you up in Christ now. He is building you up in the knowledge of Christ. He's building up your love for Christ. He's building up your dependence upon Christ and your likeness to Christ. He's building up your understanding of Christ's love for you. Paul has switched his analogies here. He's transitioned from speaking about roots and plants. Now he's talking about foundations and buildings. Built up. In Him. When God saved you, you received Christ Jesus the Lord, and God placed you permanently on an immovable foundation. What was your immovable foundation? Jesus Christ. Right? Ephesians, there's so many parallels, by the way, as you know, between Colossians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. The Apostle Paul speaks of this same idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he says, No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is what? Christ Jesus. Now, when that happened, when God laid the foundation of Christ for you and began to build you on Christ, How much did you know about Christ? How much did you love Christ? How much did you trust Him? How much did you understand about what He is doing in your life? How much were you like Him the day you were rooted in Christ? How much? Like this, right? Just tiny. You knew Christ was God and became man. You knew He was the Savior who died on the cross and rose again. You knew that He would save you from hell and a life dominated by sin if you would trust in Him. You knew that your sins were forgiven and that you were given the gift of eternal life. You trusted in Him like a child. Simple gospel truths received like an eager child. 
And you loved him like a child. And you, you wanted to learn how to follow him. All of that is precious and wonderful. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. It was time for God the Father to begin building you up in Christ. God will not leave you as one small block on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He won't do it. He won't leave you with a couple of bricks of the knowledge of Christ on the foundation. Nope, He won't do it. He won't stop with a few boards of love and trust toward Jesus. He is building you up in Christ to be a massive, living, spiritual structure so that in everything Christ would be exalted and the preeminent one. It's going to ha- it is happening for all he roots in Christ. That's why Paul fills this short letter of Colossians with a massive body of universe-shaking truths about Jesus. When you receive Christ, he is the Lord. Do you know who you received? Think about it. When you were rooted in Christ, do you comprehend the one in whom you were literally spiritually rooted? The way that God builds you up in Christ is by opening your understanding to Him. To the one in whom you've been rooted so that you'll understand that you are complete in Him. So that you will be in awe of Him. You'll love Him and be changed into His image. When Paul says, received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's a a title for Christ that, that really is summarizing. It's a grand summary of all that He has already said about who He is. Let me show you. Colossians 1. Get get ready to write down these references. Look at the names. Look at the titles we we can have in our minds as we think about Christ and it will draw us to know Him, who He is and what He gives to us. Chapter 1, verse 3, we learn that He is the Son of God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 13, we learn that He is the King of the Kingdom of God. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. He's the beloved Son in verse 13. In verse 14, we learn that He is the Redeemer. He's the one who purchased us with His own blood to make us belong to God in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Could we call Him the great forgiver? Verse 14. He is the image of God. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. He is, let's call Him the Lord of creation and the Lord of the church. In verse 15, He is the firstborn of all creation. Verse 17, He is before all things. Verse 18, He is the head of the body. He is the beginning Verse 16, He is the Creator, for by Him all things were created. He is the Sustainer. Verse 17, In Him all things hold together. He is the Head of the Church. Verse 18, He is the Resurrection. Verse 18, He is the Firstborn from the dead. He is the Fullness of God. Verse 19, For in Him all the fullness of God 
was pleased to dwell. He is the reconciler. Verse 20 and 21. And through Him, Christ, to reconcile all things to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. He's the peacemaker. Verse 20. He's the reconciler again in verse 21. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Verse 22. He has reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order that He might present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Verse 26 of chapter 1, He's the mystery of God. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This isn't the mystery of God in terms of a spooky mystery that we can't figure out. This is God unveiling Himself to you. Showing you who He is in great glory, grace, and truth. Verse 27 of chapter 1, He's the one who lives in you. Christ in you. He's your hope of glory. Chapter 1, verse 27. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3. in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the treasure hold of wisdom and knowledge. Chapter 2, verse 9. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. He's the fullness of deity. And in Him, you know what you have? You have fullness Verse 9, you have fullness, the fullness of God in you through Christ. You have fellowship with Him. Verse 11 through 13, in Him you were united into His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And in Him you have forgiveness. Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Forgiveness. So fullness is yours in Him. Fellowship is yours. You are one with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection. You have forgiveness Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. You have freedom from Satan's tyranny in your life. Chapter 2, verse 15. What do you say to that? This is who Jesus is. Creator? Sustainer? You could come out of your skin talking about this. This is amazing, right? This is the Christ in whom you are rooted. Spiritually connected. For real. So what do we do with that? What do you need that you do not have in Christ? What's the answer? Nothing. Look at who He is and what He is to you. What do you need then is to be built up in Christ. That's why Paul prayed, help them to understand the riches of the inheritance that they have in Christ. This is what God will be graciously doing in all those whom He roots in Christ. What you need is to know Christ for who He is in all His fullness. To experience what He can do to fill your every real need. To learn to love Him faithfully as He loved you. To turn to Him. To keep receiving Him by faith. To depend upon Him. To submit yourself to Him in everything. To become like Him one step at a time. To be filled with joy in Him in the process. That's exactly what Paul means when he says, 
As you receive Christ the Lord, walk in Him. You're rooted in Him. You're being built up in Him. And that's what Paul prayed for, as we, as we already read in, in Colossians 1, 9-14. through 14. This is what we see in 2 Peter 1, 3-11. Peter writes, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, of Christ, who called us into His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of deceitful desire. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. God is doing these things in your life by His grace. Receive them by faith. Live on them. Now the question is, Will we become distracted from Christ? The one in whom all the fullness of God dwells. The one in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells. The one in whom we have been filled. Will we continue to walk or live our Christian lives by grace through faith? Rooted in Him. Being built up in Him. And this is why Paul now says that having received Christ Jesus the Lord, we are now to walk established in the faith. We'll have to come back next week and figure out the last two words, what they mean and how they help us walk in Christ. Would you stand with me? The last word of this text, which we'll look at more detail next week, but all of this, as you hear these words of who you are in Christ, what's our response to this? Thank you. You know what Thanksgiving is? Thanksgiving is realizing all that you have been given freely and graciously that you do not deserve and you're overwhelmed with it. So your heart's filled with gratitude. That's, that's our response to this. And if you're here this morning and, and, and you're hearing these words and, and you think, wow, I, I don't have any of that, I invite you to come and be rooted in Christ. Receive Him as Savior and Lord. The Scripture tells us, in, in Romans chapter 10, he says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing His riches on those who call on Him, on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're not yet rooted in Christ, I invite you to turn from all of your sin, turn away from your self-righteousness, both of which are dry riverbeds from which you will gain no satisfaction, which will both lead you to a, a Christless eternity under God's judgment, and turn to Christ the Lord. And you'll be rooted in Christ, built up in Him, and filled with all the fullness of God. That's God's word to us this morning. Father, please help us to get our minds around such things that are so unearthly and yet so wonderful. So that we may live our lives in this earth in a way that brings the Son honor and glory. We pray in His name. Amen.